Last week, a major utility in California shut off power to homes around the state. Pacific Gas and Electric blacked out about 750,000 homes across 34 counties, according to the Wall Street Journal. They left these households in the dark because conditions, they said, in the state were ripe for wildfires. The journal noted PG&E equipment has been linked to 21 fires, killing 100 people in the past few years, including a massive fire last year that destroyed the town of Paradise. Power has now been fully restored by PG&E to Californians, but the incident raises serious questions about how climate change is already impacting us. It's not looming over our heads. It's already here. And PG&E's decision to cut power also highlights how capitalists will throw millions of people under the bus in a bid to compensate for their own failures. Joining us now to talk about this is a Northern California resident living in the East Bay. She is a member of San Francisco DSA, Red Star Caucus, and a self-described tech dipshit. She goes by at ButtPraxis on Twitter. ButtPraxis, welcome. Oh, thank you. Great to be here. And I guess if you're going to talk, you can call me Mia. Ah, uh, okay. That's my name. So I forgot <laughs> to mention that. Well, I, I wanted to you set it up because <laughs> some people like to keep their names off of Google searches, and I respect that, quite frankly. Uh, but yeah. yeah, Mia, welcome. Hi, good to be here. M Mia, feel free to give yourself a more proper introduction if you wanted to. No, no, the rest of the introduction is perfect. Okay, <laughs> fantastic. So uh, first things first, how were the blackouts for you personally? Was there any time spent in the dark this weekend at all? So for me personally, I wasn't affected, um, and neither were most of my friends. So the geography of the blackouts in the East Bay was mostly up in the hills, which is a very wealthy area, and it's very car-dependent. So uh, in general, if you were experiencing a blackout in the East Bay, you were living in a nice house, <laughs> which uh, none of me and my friends are. The areas in the flats uh, of Oakland and Berkeley are not as a, they just don't have as many trees. So there was less risk of fire there. And um, then there are other parts of Berkeley that have undergrounded power lines, and they were also not blacked out. So in general, where you have neighborhood activism around undergrounding power lines, no blackouts. Where you don't have a lot of trees and are protected from the wind, no blackouts. So among the other things I saw you on uh, social media posting about was people early reports showing people might be very seriously harmed by this. I think the hashtag was uh, PG and E death count. What are, Oh yeah. They killed a guy. They killed a guy. So for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. How, how did that uh, transpire? So in the East Bay, the wealthy areas got blacked out, but in most of the rest of Northern California, the blackout was in rural areas. It was people who couldn't really, like a lot of people who had moved out of, been forced out of San Francisco, been forced out of the East Bay because of housing prices, uh, people who'd been there for a long time, retirees. So in this case, this um, there was a man in Northern California who died within 12 minutes of the blackout hmm. because he was unable to get his emergency battery on his, on his oxygen pump switched on. Jesus Christ. And they gave about 12 hours notice that they were going to do this 
So it really wasn't enough time for people to evacuate. And they told people, you know, if you are reliant on uh, electricity for your life, you should evacuate. But for a lot of people, you know, who are housebound, a lot of people out here don't own cars or they share a car with a few other people. It's evacuation isn't possible. And where are you going to go? <laughs> yeah, it's similar to the discourse around people who have to stay in the path of hurricanes. It's like evacuate yes. where? Yes, it reminded me a lot of that. Uh, my family is in an area that got hit by hurricanes really hard. And, um, you know, we just kind of moved on from that. But a lot of kids in the schools there are still legally homeless. Like still. Mm. And it's been over a year. This You mentioned one person who, who died as a result of these sort of forced blackouts. PG&E's uh, death count is much higher than that if you include... Uh, negligence that have resulted in a lot of the wildfires we've seen over the last couple of years, right? Yes. And not just, so PG&E's uh, wires have been responsible for like, uh, I, I think that the figure is 21 was what Sam said. Um, wildfires over the last few years. Uh, they also killed 36 people, I believe was the figure in a gas line explosion in San Bruno in 2010. And uh, that gas line was found to be improperly maintained by a judge. They had to pay a fine. In all of these cases, they have had to pay fines. And there's definitely some kind of cost-benefit analysis going on there with how much does it cost to maintain these things versus how much will we pay out when people die. There also <laughs> has to be a story there about regulatory capture at some point. <laughs> yes, Although PG&E is so widely reviled that a lot of their attempts at, like, their attempts at large-scale regulatory capture via propositions and ballot measures have not been as successful as more as you know more or less bribing politicians right via legal campaign contributions. Um, like in 2010, you know, after they killed all the all the people in that gas explosion, there was a proposition, Proposition 16 that would have required a two-thirds majority to form a municipal power unit. Yeah. And that proposition failed because they had just killed a bunch of people uh, a couple months earlier. But they poured millions and millions and millions of dollars into that. And that's something that you see happening over and over again is PG&E takes in money. Like the... So the Utility Commission, the California Public Utilities Commission, CPUC, just gave them permission to raise their rates to pay for, uh, well, they're, they're, to pay for the, the fines that are levied against them and to pay for safety upgrades. But the last time they took in money for safety upgrades, they paid it out as bonuses. Mm. To, <laughs> and, of course. Uh, Bonuses, and also they spend a lot of money earmarked for safety on PR and lobbyists. That's amazing. That's, is, I mean, that's incredible. Is there, is there any indication that they're just not going to do that again? Well, uh, in August of this year, they requested to be allowed to pay out an additional $16 million in bonuses to their uh, top brass, and a judge denied them that. So they're now under watch of the court system. But, you know, 
the night of the blackout, I'm sure everyone saw it, right? The night of the blackout, the PG&E gas executives were partying in Napa, which, by the way, was affected by the blackouts. So uh, you got to wonder how that timing worked. And yeah, <laughs> very I, carefully. I, <laughs> that, yeah, I saw the. Uh... I, I saw the article linking to their uh, their statement about, oh, we're sorry, we realize how bad this looks. And, uh, yeah, no shit. The, uh, to some extent, the company, like, its explanation for this, to some extent, it's a little sympathetic because the planet keeps getting hotter and hotter. There's, uh, you know, as a, in the context of climate change, it makes sense, but... I mean, that's not really what's going on here, economically speaking. What what really is at play? Like, why uh, did PG&E let it get to this extent that their power so, lines create such a fucking hazard? So, regulations in California state that PG&E must... Uh, they're only allowed to charge a certain amount for the actual electricity itself. Like they can't, they're regulated how much profit they can make off of providing electricity to customers. So in order to create more profit for their shareholders, they need to cut corners essentially in how much money they're putting into it. So there's actually, there's financial incentives based on the regulations on these utility companies. There's financial incentives for them to not spend on safety if their main purpose is to pay out to shareholders and executives, because that payout money has to come from somewhere and they are limited by law to only a certain amount of their investment being returned to them. So they decide not to invest in this stuff, I guess. It's similar to the healthcare insurance companies to where they make money by not actually providing healthcare. The energy company makes money by not, I mean, they have to give the energy, yeah. but they make money by not doing the stuff like safety or uh, making sure their their wires and stuff are in good form. Well, now they're making money by not giving the energy. So now the, now the health insurance... <laughs> yeah. PG&E parallel is uh, is more true than ever because you couldn't see it before. You couldn't really, like, you as an individual consuming electricity or whatever through PG&E, it may not be that readily ev uh, rel excuse me, evident <laughs> that uh, they're not doing the maintenance until now. Now it's now it's definitely evident. Now, now it's very much in your face, so... Well, and people have been, you know, I talked a little bit about neighborhood activists demanding undergrounded power lines. So people have been wanting undergrounded power lines for a very long time. And if all the power lines had been undergrounded, there would not need to be these blackouts. And uh, there also would not have been the fires. And I think it's instructive that when they're rebuilding Paradise, they're rebuilding it with undergrounded power lines. Mm. Well, I, I'm from Florida and had to deal with hurricanes all the time and the power lines getting knocked down and power being out for days and always thought about uh why not just build power lines underground and i'm not involved in a lot of like the the fights at a local level to have that happen but are there any downsides to building power lines underground other than the fact that companies just don't want to invest in it i mean that's exactly it the only downside <laughs> that pg e has ever cited is the cost so 
In 2017, it was estimated that it costs $1.16 million per mile to underground power lines. Uh, when they did that in San Jose, which it's important to remember that San Jose is or was for a long time kind of the seat of capital in the in Silicon Valley. So it's not surprising to me that San Jose has undergrounded power lines. Uh, but then that, that ended up costing them $4.6 million per mile. So it is very expensive. And overhead lines cost a little bit, like around $450,000 a mile, which obviously that's a lot less. I mean, but, but... The, but the costs <laughs> extended out in perpetuity of replacing them every time there's a windstorm right. or something like that it has to be astronomically higher. It is, but because PG&E is allowed to pawn off its uh, the cost of the lawsuits and its bankruptcies and its judgments onto the ratepayers, they don't actually pay that cost. So you were describing this as like, of course, on the uh, the good Twitter account at Brut Praxis that uh, everyone should go follow. You were describing this. Uh, this reaction to the fines uh, and the increased cost of uh, environmental disasters that the company was responding by doing a sort of capital strike. And I, I also noticed that a bunch of DSA chapters in California are, they have a plan to break this. And I was wondering if you could talk about that. Yeah, so I'd urge everyone to go and visit letsownpge.org. That is L-E-T-S-O-W-N-P-G-E dot org. And that it's, you know, it's got a cute little video. Uh, East Bay DSA put together this website. It's gorgeous. I love it. Uh, but it talks about the history of PG&E and how we in Northern California have suffered under them and the plan to get public and worker ownership of PG&E. You know, like, so, uh, like Sam... <laughs> Which one? Yeah. Just say Sam. Yeah. Like one that Sam said, um, it is a lot like health insurance. It's a lot like health care. And I mean, like in all these things, they're just rent seeking, right? Anytime that you're attempting mm. to make a profit off of things that people need to live, that's rent seeking. Yeah. Um, but it's like health care in that it doesn't make sense to try and extract a profit from this. Right. The the only way to make a profit from these things is to give people the worst service possible. So they should be publicly owned. They should be worker owned. And PG&E actually employs a lot of union members anyway. So, you know, hopefully it should be a really easy, a really easy transition to, you know, you can the, the workers keep their jobs. If anything, you're going to need more workers because there's going to be more work for them to do, making these things safe, undergrounding these things. Um, Less money for dipshits to go off to wine country and right. uh, and and sip the sip the cab while they plan to shut off power to fucking millions of people. Basically, the idea is to replace the dipshits with a publicly elected board that does not make profit. That sounds like a fantastic idea sounds, to me and sounds like right now is a really good time so, for it too. Yeah, sounds like the least we should be doing. I mean, we saw a few months ago when there were uh, 
blackouts in Venezuela that were those were called as grounds for a coup. Uh, <laughs> I think municipalizing yeah. PG&E is really just a, a modest step forward here. Well, and the really interesting thing is this is not the first time we've seen blackouts uh, employed as a capital strike by a for-profit utility company in California. Hmm. The last time that happened was Enron. Oh, Enron. Yeah, if you remember that name, um, those blackouts were essentially they were done by Enron as a capital strike because Enron was facing increased regulation. I, I think I recall Enron executives reacting to California wildfires and they were caught on tape saying, burn, baby, burn, <laughs> because they knew it meant that, you know, they, they were they were about to eat at the trough of uh, of of. Uh, corporate subsidies yeah and those blackouts actually cost gray davis his job right i mean the enron blackouts were more or less a direct line to governor schwarzenegger <laughs> i was gonna uh, say uh, another way to look at it is they gave schwarzenegger a job <laughs> yeah <laughs> what a weird you know i wasn't a california resident at the time also i was a child uh, <laughs> <Same>. so <laughs> But what a what a weird time that must have been. So, you know, hopefully this is instructive for Newsom, mm. the current governor. Mm. So, that, you know, after, yeah. Sorry. Like, great. In order to protect these utility companies, the governor of California took on the responsibility for himself and got recalled. So one can hope that the government of California in this case will put the growing public anger will pin that blame on the actual culprits here which are pg&e and when i say pg&e i think it's really important because this is pretty scary to me so someone took some pot shots at pg&e workers who are restoring power because mm. people are really mad at pg&e and the workers are not the problem here so when we talk about pg&e we have to be really clear it's the board there's like 10 to 15 people here that are causing these problems and that are also throwing not just their cu customers quote unquote uh, they're they're not they're they're throwing their captives under the bus and they're also throwing their workers under the bus because the people out there in the field are the ones who are taking the brunt of the public anger and that has to change and as you said this is take literally taking back the power for the people <laughs> Uh, nationalization, not quite the right word because it's a state. Municipalization is, I believe, uh, what you are what you are talking about here. And hopefully we don't get Governor Sly Stallone in a few years. <laughs> hopefully we don't get Governor Kid Rock or so. I guess he's a Michigan guy, but I could see him pretending to be a California dipshit. I mean, his whole life is a fucking charade anyway. Uh, <sighs> Mia, a.k.a. at Butt Praxis on Twitter a member of San Francisco DSA, Red Star Caucus, a self-described tech dipshit. Thank you very much for joining us. Thanks, Mia. Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me. And uh, good luck nationalizing, sorry, municipalizing PG&E. I will oh, add, yeah. good luck. if you want to look at municipalization in your own community, municipal powers, a study has been done, municipal power is safer, so they have fewer safety issues, and they are much less expensive for the people than a private-owned utility. Big surprise there. Yeah. We, so, 
We All should, of you. Mina supplies it. We should get on that here because Exelon uh, sucks shit. Thank you very much, Mia. <laughs> yeah, thank you.